Welcome to iProtest. This is Donald Jeffries. Glad to be with you on another Friday. Uh, a very a, a different kind of guest today. Uh, I just think it's uh, going to be a fascinating show. Uh, the person who's with us uh, was a, uh, a witness, a firsthand witness to what actually happened on January 6, 2021, Washington, D.C., which, of course, obviously has become a big story everywhere with these uh, these Soviet-style hearings in Washington, D.C. She wants to remain anonymous uh, for understandable reasons. Uh, you know, people are going after everyone for this, and so I understand certainly her reservation. So we're just going to call her Helly. So, uh, Helly, welcome to the show. Hi. I am so happy that we get a chance to talk about this. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you agreed to come on. So, so tell your story. So what, what, what happened on, uh, on January 6th? Well, I have a very radically different point of view from what you would see on the news. And at the end of the day, when those of us who were there, when we saw the news, we were a little bit shocked, I have to say. We were definitely shocked. Uh, so I do have some thoughts on this event looking back. And I can throw out a couple of those first, and then we can get into the details that whatever interests you or your audience. Um, a couple of thoughts I have on this. Um, I... I feel this was very deliberately done to almost delegitimize genuine uh, dissent in the United States, which is not easy to do. Given our history of free speech and, and the right to protest and to speak your piece, it's kind of amazing that in one swoop, they could make uh, taxpayers feel so terrified to speak, so terrified to talk. Um, also, a lot of these people were taxpayers. And it's the only time in my life that I've seen those kinds of people attend really any kind of protest because those people are the ones who are always working and taking care of everybody else. Um, in my lifetime, what I observe is the left is basically paid to protest. They benefit. Uh, they make money doing it. And the people I connect with, the taxpayers, the business owners, um, the veterans, the elderly, the grandparents, they're all sacrificing to be there. And the people I met that day, I met strangers all day, everywhere I went, because I have great confidence in my people, the, the working people of the United States, the silent majority that you never hear from. I have great confidence in them from knowing them well. And so I, <laughs> I basically put myself in the hands of strangers the whole day. And our people are routinely kind, wonderful, polite, introspective people. So I had a just a very different experience um, than anything that you would see on the news. Well, so, so is there so, any questions yeah, you, you have? Sure. Well, you're, you're there that day. And so first of all, Hal, uh, you listened to Donald Trump's speech. Um, and then it, it, did you march to the Capitol? How close did you get to the Capitol? And what you're saying, what you, I, I think you would, said before that everybody was, and I've heard that from lots of people, how polite the crowd was. And obviously there was no trashing anything, uh, really even inside the Capitol itself later. But 
So what, what was your experience? How did it uh, develop where you're listening to Donald Trump's speech? Uh, he leaves and then the crowd is, uh, he suggested he was going to march with the crowd. And uh, obviously that didn't happen. But so, so did you just kind of get swept along in that? Did you, did you just go along to see what happened or what can you describe what happened after his speech? Well, the mood on the ground was very positive, and it's hard to estimate the number of people who were there. When I first, uh, when I first attended, and I thought about it, I thought, well, they didn't allow any aerial photographs, and I think because they didn't want people to know just how huge this was. Yeah. So I thought maybe maybe it was a million because they really blocked these numbers from us. Since then, I think maybe it was two million. Um, and the tone on the ground all day was actually very positive. The timeline that the media used was completely off as far as I'm concerned. So um, I'm not sure on when CNN published, quote unquote, an insurrection, but I think it was in the morning sometime. And Trump didn't even finish talking until about uh, 1.15 Eastern. And then we still had to walk from the monument to the Capitol. And one reason why I feel I've earned the right to tell the story is that I did push my way to the front of the crowd. I pushed my way through a lot of people to see what was going on at the front. Um, so, but like I say, the tone was positive, which is pretty amazing. And actually a key part of this story, I would say, is the failure to provoke violence, which you'll never hear on the news because there were many, many um, signs to me that they wanted very much to provoke these people to be ferocious. Mm -hmm. But our people around each other are quite happy. So if you think back, that was January. It was frozen cold. It was freezing that day. We weren't even allowed to have umbrellas. Uh, basically, even a backpack, we had to put aside everything if we wanted to hear Trump talk. We didn't have any kind of equipment or anything. Um, there were very few bathrooms. Uh, so there was no food, no heat, and very, very few bathrooms. I think that was also deliberately done to almost turn people into animals. The way they treated us that day, the city itself treated us almost like a rat infestation. Um, the American citizens, the people that they smell at Walmart, uh, descending into the city. Um, and so what's remarkable is how much they failed to provoke violence because our people are happy. So we stood in line for hours. And even at the end of being in these uh, long lines and all this in the frozen cold, people were still happy. And when Trump finished talking, that was the tone. So the clip I sent you, I don't know if you could hear the music, but it was YMCA yeah. playing in the background. Yes, That's yes, a happy yes. song. This crowd was nothing like we're going to go attack somebody anything like that. So, and then when we went to the Capitol and I pushed my way to the front, the tone definitely, you could see the tone change, but there was also very much a sense that this was manufactured. And at mm -hmm. some point uh, going forward in the afternoon, it felt almost like being in the middle of a movie set, like a Pirates of the, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie set, uh, because of the way that they staged the colors and the tear gas, was just very strange. It was like being in the middle of the Battle of 1812. You know, they use that music for the 4th of July with all the like fireworks <laughs> and cannons and all this. And it's it's kind of remarkable. You know, you think, you see the clip that I sent you and these people are happy. And then like suddenly it, it pivots into the Battle of 1812. And it's remarkable to me how the media could make that look within a camera lens. You know, yeah. so they framed the picture a certain way that they show you the agitators who are smashing things. And I did see some of that. 
But also you have to keep in mind that we had watched our entire country burn the whole previous year. So everybody in the crowd had watched the entire country be burned and nobody ever had an issue with that. That was all fine because it was Antifa doing it. And I think many of our people did perceive that it was Antifa agitators who were doing the smashing. Uh, Another thing I can say is that our phones were basically scrambled. Our phone signals were scrambled. So from the moment that I got there in the morning, about 8.30 in the morning, and some people had been there uh, for many, many hours already because they wanted to see uh, the, the Trump speech and you had to wait in line. But so already when I got there, we had no phone signal. And I think that was very important because if our people had seen how this was being portrayed on the news, we had enormous men in the crowd who would have put a stop to it within split seconds. Right. So, so you're, you're there and you, you push your way to the front. So at what point, I mean, do you, do you see Alex Jones with a megaphone there? Are you seeing, cause I mean, imagine if you're at the front, you probably saw those kinds of people. Are you seeing uh, Owen Schroeder not going to the Capitol building and apparently facing a, a prospect of, of being prosecuted. Uh, what, what did you see? Did you see the guy, uh, is it Ray Epps that they've been talking about so much that was, you know, urging people to go into the Capitol? I'm just wondering what, what you saw at that point that, what triggered it, you, you think, to go for you know that? What's, what's funny? I think Alex Jones was actually in a different area because I never saw him that day. Uh, okay. I think he was on one of the different sides of the building. I think, actually, I was probably closer because of what I heard is that he was telling people, don't go over there. And I I had pushed my way through the crowd just so I could see. So I didn't see Alex. Um, what I did see, uh, there were some people smashing in a window and probably smashing in a door now that was a few individuals and then you have a crowd of between one and two million people basically standing standing still so where i was in the crowd and you could see in the picture that i got pretty close there were no riot cops around me because honestly i think we would have been so nice to them there was no such thing as uh riot cops trying to beat us back anything like that. It was basically a bunch of people. So on the Capitol steps, which was just one piece of that day, but this is what the news focused on. And this is the violence that they wanted people to see that like the movie that they had manufactured for the public. Um, There were these agitators who were demanding, they were actually demanding that people come in. They had loudspeakers, which was very strange to me because none of us had any equipment. We weren't allowed to have anything. Like Mm -hmm. at one point for me to be able to hear Trump talk, I had to put down my backpack and that was all I had in my life. That was all my possessions to even get on the plane. And I was not allowed to have that with me. So who are these suspicious people that have all this equipment? Um, Definitely those of us in the crowd, we knew something about this is very off. That doesn't look like our people. It doesn't seem like our people. And I can say right toward the front of the crowd, I definitely, I met a few men who stood out to me right away as not being one of our people, just not our, uh, not the vibe of our people. Uh, So that definitely stood out. Well, somebody, and somebody right after I asked you about Ray Epps, but he also, Ray Epps says, right, he's been seeing Yes, I do know. And people chanting, Fed, did you see him? Any evidence of him there? 
<clears throat> well, I've seen a lot of that footage and the footage was all out. Like basically the next day, there were tons of video clips that have been never acknowledged by the media about like Antifa kind of people changing into MAGA clothes. And then of course you have, uh, the, the cops opening the doors. So all yes. of this footage was out there. I didn't see Ray Epps when I was there, but I can say there were, let's say you could break the, the crowd down into two types. There was the regular mega people. And then there were the agitators who were yelling to the crowd to come in and smashing yeah. the window. So there was a woman on the loudspeaker who I've never heard anything about, like as far as being prosecuted uh, there's no talk or no mention of who those people are while they're terrifying regular people who just walked in the building and they probably were allowed in because I think that happened a lot that day. Yeah. Well, I think that's the most amazing thing. And, and uh, I believe it was, uh, oh, who was it? Was it Jim Jordan or what? Some, or Matt Gates, one of them in Congress a while back asked, uh, Merrick Garland, they brought up Ray Epps and they showed the video of him saying, go in, you know, let's go inside, let's go in. And the crowd chanting, fed, 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 fed. They knew he was an undercover agent. He was. And uh, this guy said, you know, why haven't you? Because they've tracked down. I mean, I know a friend of a friend who was uh, uh, just, you know, marching, just walking in the Capitol after they opened the door to her with, armed with a tambourine. And, uh, you know, she's facing uh, threats of prosecution. We know lots of other people that uh, I read uh, the other day was a father and son team that went there and uh they uh, they went into the capitol they didn't do commit any acts of violence and they're uh they were just prosecuted and they could get up to 20 years in prison it's amazing I mean, some murders don't get that this this is just so mind-boggling but uh this merrick garland had no interest in ray Epps. he didn't have any interest in the video unlike a lot of people wasn't caught in it so here you are and people around you first of all what do you are you surprised that they haven't looked you up yet or have they? And do you fear that? And what about the people like your friends, whatever, that are right around you? Have any of them been arrested or any of them in prison? Well, I didn't walk in the building, but I will say um, one of the, the pictures I sent you of the front of the building, it shows this woman. And I'm very careful what I do with my pictures. I don't post them everywhere because that's not fair. People felt they were attending a protest, which is every American's right. But in that picture, there's a very obvious soccer mom type wearing this very cute little bracelet. These people in the crowd had never committed a crime in their lives. I know that from time. These are not criminal people. These right. are the people who pay the taxes. And also they kind of know that as a taxpayer, you should be able to have a say in your own government. That's a piece of this too, because for me standing in the crowd, uh, I'm thinking I can walk into any building. I can walk into any Neiman Marcus and use a bathroom. I couldn't use the bathroom all day. Um, and, and the people around me, these are, these are civilized people. So the government not letting them use a bathroom by itself. I'm standing there in the crowd and I'm thinking, why, why am I as a taxpayer not allowed to walk in this building. So I didn't happen to walk in the building, but I will say as a person of ordinary judgment who's never committed a crime in my life, the tone on the ground was so obviously not an attack. And, right. and part of this story is how diabolical do you have to be to frame a bunch of elderly grandparents and veterans and soccer moms as domestic terrorists? Because yeah. I was standing there wearing pink. 
<laughs> I can barely open jars. Okay. I have, I'm five, four. I can't reach the top shelf to get the cookies out. So to frame people like me as a domestic terrorist, to me, uh, that really shows you how ridiculous this is. And the mm -hmm. pictures of the congressmen with their air masks on, um, trying to reach safety from the masses, the American yeah. masses, these taxpayers who are out here, that's stunning. It's just really a statement on where we're at in my mind. Yeah. Well, and the whole thing is that the, and they can keep up this mantra. First of all, they keep saying it was an armed insurrection and they did not find a single firearm. Oh, it's uh, so not, embarrassing. Not, yeah. I mean, and they, continue, <laughs> they continue to say armed insurrection. They continue to say people died that day when every one of them uh, none of them died at the hands of the protesters. And I, I just wrote an article for American Free Press again. I write there regularly. And not only did Ashley Babbitt die, but and I've already forgotten her name. She's so unknown, I've forgotten her name already. Oh, God, what's her name? I, I apologize. But she also was killed by police because she was gassed, stomped yes. on, and then beaten to death by a female officer who also wasn't punished, just like the officer that uh, shot and killed Ashley Babbitt once. The only cop that died that day was Brian Sicknick, who they lied about. He was not hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. The medical examiner said that. His family said that. Yet they lied about it for weeks. And but they continue. I mean, what kind of a country do we have when you still see them misrepresenting something like that to a degree? And you're, what you're describing is, I think, what people have seen and probably would see in some of that 14,000 of video that they have yes. not released on the yeah, why, why not release? But you you saw it firsthand, and uh, you know suddenly at what point when you're standing there, you don't go in the Capitol, and you you see suddenly, do you see like a, an explosion of activity once once people get in there because the cops are there? As I understand, the doors are open; they're waving people inside. At what point do you realize, wow, wait a minute, something really something really wrong is going on here? To me, it was such a spectacle. It was such a spectacle. And actually, the crowd was quite boring in the sense that the crowd wasn't beating anybody. So you basically had the few agitators that they paid in the front and behind them. So in that picture that I sent you, you can see between me and the door, and that's just one moment, one place where I stood. But between me and the door smashing was the soccer mom. Uh <laughs> The crowd was standing still. That's why I say it's it's so funny when you see these videos of other, like you look at the BLM riots and that's a completely different thing. You've got the riot right, cops right. out there, but you know, nobody in the crowd was being beaten around me. In fact, we were neck deep. We were neck deep in each other. And I have to, and that's another thing that I do want to make a point of saying that, uh, you know, the, the American man has been uh what's the word there's all kinds of targeting on the american man of he's doing this right he's wrong he's too aggressive he's got too much testosterone right. toxic males whatever right. i was neck right. deep in what would be termed toxic males that day and everybody was incredibly polite and kind polite yeah. and kind these these are the kinds of people that you can trust with your wallet <laughs> i i don't know where else in the world you can be in a crowd that big and not have to worry about your wallet. Nobody bothered me all day. And frankly, when I left at the end of the day, 
all day, the city made it obvious that they had no mercy for us. It was very obvious. People, you know, people tried to get food. They tried to get heat. There were all these handicapped people in wheelchairs. And I, I honestly wonder very much what happened to those people because at about 6 p.m., they said the city's going on curfew. Also, it's January, so it was getting dark. And everybody knew Antifa was out there on the edges of the crowd wanting to hit people in the face with a brick. So I knew when I attended this event, I could very possibly get hit in the face with a brick. I said to myself, I'm going to go anyway. Like your song. Right. I love your intro song. I'm not going to back down. <laughs> oh, there so, we can. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, by, by the way, thank you, Chris Gray's in the, in the chat room is always the, it's Roseanne Boylan. That's the name of the other. And she hasn't gotten any publicity. I didn't even know about it. I was researching it more. So he was killed yes. by a police officer as well. And uh, nothing, apparently nobody cares about that, but they still continue to say people were killed as if the protesters killed. They didn't kill anyone. Yes. And it's, I, I don't understand. And, and you brought up an interesting point that I think I'm, I, I was, I thought, the only one talking about it. I don't understand when it, you know, as far as I know, government buildings are generally open to the public. Yes. And, and so I don't understand why it would be a crime. To yes. walk inside a, a public building. I, I don't, and this is the people's representative body. It's kind yes. of ironic, isn't it, that you're trespassing yes. there? And especially when you're invited in. So you saw the cops there, none of whom have been identified. If this was a, such a tremendous crime, shouldn't they have gotten the names of all those police officers? Because they were they aided and abetted the insurgents, didn't they, if they let them in? I, to my knowledge, they haven't. But you saw the doors open and you saw the people waving, the cops waving people inside, correct? I was on a different side. I was on the side where they were smashing in the window and the lady with oh, okay. the, the loudspeaker. On the other entrances of the building, they had they were actively waving people in. So those mm. were other locations. Um, and so, but none of us were trying to go anywhere. We were just standing in the crowd. And I got I did get tear gassed, and it was just quite a oh. quite a spectacle. Yeah, well, I'm I'm wondering how you escaped without. So you you, you were. I mean, did you see police arresting people, or did they just concentrate no. on people inside? No, you didn't see. No, there was nobody arresting anybody. There were no. And and honestly, I think that's partly because if they had done that, people would have known because the tone on the ground was just radically different from what you were being shown on the news, and and mm -hmm. that's another. I don't want to get distracted, but another thing that I do want to comment on is some of the guys around me, they said, this is the first time in my life I've seen good people stand. And later when they did talk to their families, their families believed the news rather than them. And that to me is a real weakness in our people that they, they know about fake news, but they saw this event and they took it as Bible, <laughs> Bible truth. Like what you can see in the lens. Yes. Media has the power to do that. And it, it exposes just how much power they do have to manipulate what people see and what they believe. Yeah, well, and, and I, you know, there's certainly a theatrical aspect to all this, and people have been pointing yes. out to me, and there's, there's so many people, and I, I'm skeptical of lots of things, but there are people out there that believe everything's fake, and um, I'm sure you've noticed as well, too, it, it does seem like there were a lot of, there's somebody was filming a lot inside that Capitol to get, yes, you know, get, I don't I don't know who was there, <laughs> it's like yes. the, uh, you know, who's because uh, they, I don't think they were filming each other. And uh, so did you, so you're suggesting you saw some suspicious characters there, which are on the other side is maybe some other people. But this was, I, I, 
so basically the entire capital was surrounded. I guess there was like a, you're saying a million, maybe two million people there. So yeah. you're on one side, Alex Jones and some of the others on the other side, but there, so there were, it was basically all around the cap. Yeah. The crowd was huge. And, uh, I have a friend who's Ho-Chunk Indian and he said, he was just laughing. He said, you know how much destruction people could have done that that crowd could have done if they wanted to do any. And that's part yeah. of what's notable about the few the few higher up photographs or the aerial photographs, um, that is what's notable is that you can see actually there's these little tiny ropes that the crowd has respected. These little tiny ropes and chains that the crowd uh, didn't touch at all. So here you have a crowd of a million or maybe two million people. There's nothing being trampled or destroyed. These people are actually, they are the firefighters and the cops and the soldiers. Oh I see God. a question. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, that's my friend Billy Barry Valentine, who I do a show along with Tony, the producer. We do America Unplugged every Saturday. So they ask her, where is the proof that Antifa had anything to do with this? How did she know these people she was with never committed crimes? Well, I'll say on that day, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. It was it was a very bizarre spectacle, especially coming from the very positive day that we had had. It was unusual to see the turn it took, but um, the video evidence and the clips are all out there. Um, I made a Twitter account that showed them and it's it, Twitter, of course, completely wiped out that account. But mm -hmm. there's even footage of of I guess you would call them leftists in organized planning that they had the maps of tunnels and they had all kinds of organization that nobody I know had access to. Certainly nobody gave the people I know access to the the floor plans of the tunnels i mean my god we didn't have anything like that yeah well there i mean i i know again from writing this article they had uh um uh, the founder of the proud I, the proud boys and uh, what's the other one i i, I can't keep these so, the oath, 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 oath keepers oath keepers yeah and uh latinas for latinos for uh trump uh they there were four of them met in a garage and apparently the, the january 6th committee one of the first things they did was try to make that out i mean they just met in a garage like they're friends with each other <laughs> Brief, very briefly and uh this is this is exactly what the left used to decry and call mccarthyism where you're just making yeah. you know associations like that oh you the four of you had <laughs> lunch together obviously you're plotting to overthrow the government i mean it's it's, it's so you, you didn't see any over plotting there that day Oh my God. No, that's the funny part. That's the funny part. Our people, and you know, it's a weakness of our people, the silent majority. They are silent because they are not demanding people. They work the hardest, they yes. pay in their taxes and they get the least. These people don't even know how to be diabolical. They really don't. And that's honestly, yeah, actually I see a comment about buses. My friend and yeah. I, on the way to the Capitol, we saw strange vans um, being escorted by the cops. And then later these clips are out of the cops um, escorting very suspicious buses and people coming out of the buses um, that were being dropped off there. So I think that's that's pretty much evident. There's another question here from you, the, from the skeptical Billy Ray Valentine. Uh, it's going to come up on a second. How many? Uh, where is it? I think it's coming up. This thing doesn't work sometimes. Hopefully. Ah, my wallet. I, you know, yeah. this is very this is very stupid what I did with my wallet, but I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. So I flew into DC. All I have in the world is this one backpack with my wallet. Don't even tell my mom I did this. <laughs> so all I have <laughs> is this wallet to get back on the plane the next day. 
But in order to get into the VIP area, we weren't even allowed to have backpacks, nothing, no umbrellas, no anything. So we all, they just said, you have to put your backpack in a, this pile. And we put our backpacks in a pile. <laughs> and later, <laughs> hours later, we went back to find them. And it is, a, it's a, I would say it's a miracle of God, but it's, it's also more than that because I do know my people. And I was at several Trump rallies before and the people I have met there are the kinds of people who will sacrifice their life for yours in the sense that the people in those crowds are um, the soldiers, the cops. Now, I know there are issues with policing, and I agree with you. Um, but in general, it's people who will take a bullet for you. So I'm actually not very surprised that my that my wallet was still there and I was able to have my ticket to board the next day. You can see Chris Buckin saying people were chanting F Antifa, and there's another one here about uh, uh, Chris Great. There, I get about the buses. But you didn't see anything with the buses of Antifa because we've heard that that they, were, that they were seen there and they were changing clothes and all that. Did you see any evidence of that? Because I've heard that. I saw some very strange vans that were that were police escorted to the Capitol because it was a long it's a long walk actually from the monument to the Capitol, especially uh, because my friends were all looking for bathrooms. I had there were older men in the group and they were trying in the worst way to not just pee on the street. Like this was a huge crowd and there were, you know, 10 porta potties mm -hmm. here, <laughs> seven there. Yeah. So all these people were trying desperately to not pee on the street and all the government yeah. buildings were locked to us. So the entire walk from the monument to the Capitol, all of those buildings and restaurants were blocked to us. A couple of people let us sneak in and use the bathrooms. But so we went on some side streets and that's where I did see these, these odd vans uh, being escorted by the cops toward the Capitol. But I didn't see who got out of those. Only later I saw the footage that other people had taken in the crowd that day of who was yeah. getting off those vans. Yeah, well, it's certainly we were. And, you were just, and I, I've written a lot about this in, in, in Hidden History. I talked about how this the government has been doing this for a very long time. And in the, in the yes. 60s, they, they infiltrated the Black Panthers and the KKK. They infiltrated all extremist groups on the left or right. And uh, most people don't know, for instance, that... Uh, uh, Fred Hampton's bodyguard was a, a government agent, as was Malcolm X's. Martin Luther King, the guy you see cradling his head on the on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel, was a CIA asset. These things we know now. Uh, so they're they're surrounding, you know, they're they're everywhere at these things. And uh, certainly, we know we saw what happened with uh, the uh, the pallets of before that we saw in the BLM riots. And did, did you tell me something about seeing pallets of bricks or am I mixing that up with something else? Oh, yes, yes. So the day before, the night before, people had tried to go out and get food the night before January 6th. And DC, uh, people I knew took clips of vi uh, a video of pallets of bricks and propane and two by fours that were distributed throughout the city. And that's what I mean, failure to provoke violence. Because honestly, I think they... They would have wanted if they could have gotten us to destroy some stuff in the city, which also touches on how tone deaf they are about us, about the people I consider my people, which is basically just the silent majority, uh, the working people whose, whose parents have cancer and their kids have autism. Uh, the working people are way too broken and broke to be plotting anything really, but this is who the government wants to frame. Uh, and so th these things were all over the city and our people found them, documented them, um, and, and did nothing with them. And so the government failed 
the the day before January 6th, they failed to get us to do anything. And then January 6th, of course, they drove people, ordinary people. If you, you know how people stampede on thanks, uh, Black Friday, they stampede for like TVs right. and stuff. Of if course, you put, yeah. yeah, if you put ordinary people through the misery that was January 6th, it was like a long POW march in the frozen cold with no access to food or heat. If you put ordinary Americans in that, they will crack. But our people yeah. are not ordinary. They know, they know that they're constantly being framed. They're being um, set up. Uh, they know that somebody's going to sneak in a Confederate flag and call them Nazis. So these are not ordinary people. They're beyond cracking. And we we love each other so much. I think partly because it has taken so much sacrifice to get there to find each other. We've all been called racists and Nazis and um, right. every other name you can think of. So by the time we find each other, we're in a good mood and we actually have a great time with each <laughs> other. Otherwise people would have gone ballistic and, you know, uh, you, 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 even comparing it to black Friday, nobody was trampled that day in the Capitol. I don't think right. even a vase was smashed. No, somebody moved they, around they, the, the papers on Nancy Pelosi's desk, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody dared to put their uh, working class boots up on the Lord, lady Pelosi's desk. Yeah. Billy Ray, you're winning Billy Ray over. He says, you seem like a very <laughs> cool and nice person. Though. So Billy, Billy Ray's mellowing out here. Skeptical. Uh, uh, Vince, Vince Agnelli, my old my old buddy, uh, thank you for uh, checking in. I see there Jacob uh, says that KKK was always a government op. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, and that's what these things are. That's why it's it's hard. And we certainly saw with the Black Lives Matter uh, rallies, the organized aspect of that. I mean, you guys didn't have uh, – cool moving vans like Black Lives Matter. No. That is where they got that money with their nice logo and everything. Uh, there was nothing <laughs> like that for the Trump people. But, but it was, after, so, so you're, once you, or maybe you weren't, but by the time you went home, did you were you even aware, was there word in the crowd drifting out as, hey man, they're, they're after the people in the Capitol. They're, I mean, did you, did you even have any idea that uh, what was going on when you left or did you say, oh well, that was it. Trump didn't show up. I mean, what, what was the feeling there at that time? I really thought so. As for going home, I knew I had to catch a flight. So I had to like leave my hotel at 4 a.m. the next morning. But I really hesitated to leave that day because we all knew that we were seeing something strange and we wanted to be witnesses for it. Uh, they were shutting down the city. They shut down the mass transit so that people couldn't get home, which, like I say, those wheelchair people, I don't know, because I, the next day I ran into a guy who walked five miles home to his hotel in the dark. And keep in mind, this is Washington, D.C., which we all know is very crime ridden. So yeah. basically, that's like the purge. Basically, the city government unleashed the purge onto their own people um, by shutting okay. down everything and leaving us there to be eaten alive by whoever wanted to attack. Um, when So I, I really contemplated, well what do I do here? Do I stay in the crowd and miss my flight or do I leave? I decided to leave. And I, that day I had connected with strangers all day long. Uh, that evening, actually we, we had a problem even getting out because how, how do we get out? It, it just randomly worked out that one guy who had a little bit of a phone signal was able to connect an Uber. And it basically five of us or so five strangers ended up having dinner that night and watching the news um, and by the time we were watching the news, it, we could, we knew, I forget if it was because we were getting text messages finally, but we knew that other people, 
um, cops had shown up at their hotel and also DHS agents, uh, by the next day, I knew that they were showing up at the gate and there's pictures of DHS agents showing up at the air airline gates of people trying to catch their flight home. So we did question. see that. In you see that question on screen for you? See the guys wearing Nazi Nazi T-shirts talking on satellite phones. You know, I I didn't see that, but I will say I think I saw some people who were able to communicate, which was strange because many of us could not. So I went through that whole crowd, all the way from the back of the crowd to the front, asking people, "Do you have a phone signal?" and most of the people I talked to had no signal. Either their phones were dead because apparently when they scramble the signal, your phone dies. It uses up so much energy, it dies. Or just no signal at all. So the people who were able to communicate, that is suspicious, I would say. There, it's, Well, everything, everything about that day was suspicious. So you're, after this happened, you get out of there and thank goodness you evaded the long arm of law and... Uh, <laughs> Very, very yeah. few people seem to have. So you can't consider yourself fortunate. And that's why, yes. you know, we don't, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to identify you in any way because I, uh, this is just, this is just a, a horrific what's happening. It's in insane. The fact that, yeah. But, and so when you, when you watch the January 6th committee hearings, first of all, are you in contact afterwards? Are you in contact with anybody inside prison, outside prison, people that were like you fortunate and got away? Or do you, or, do you communicate with anybody uh, about what's going on? Um, I I definitely made lifelong friends that day. I don't have any contacts who are in prison, but it definitely the farce, the joke of this, the tragic farce is obvious to all of us who were there. And uh, the people who I met that day, you know, I wish I could show you their text messages because it's honestly like the people, the founding fathers. These are the most introspective people that I've met in my life. And they're, they're thinking, they're thinking in very serious terms about how to have a country that makes sense and that works fairly right. for everybody. Uh, it's like the letters written back and forth between the founding fathers. And I wish I could publish that because. Well, and, and, yeah. and I, I would think that, that, you know, people with that, because they were very patriotic uh, and yes. uh, they have an awareness of history that most Americans yes. don't. And I would think they would be the last people that would want to desecrate, uh, you know, a historical building like the Capitol, because that that building means more to them than it does to the average American, I think. So I think it's interesting. Oh, totally. That's why it's so funny when you see the videos of my, I'll call them my people, just loosely, my people, the American public, the taxpayers going into those buildings and taking pictures with the, the busts of the presidents and all that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. to the level, it would be comedy, except that America feels like, we're going into the time of Stalin. It would be funny yeah. uh, if it weren't so tragic. Yeah, it's it's and they were as you pointed out, they were uh, they were very very civil. And again, the the record, the video shows that they were waved inside by police officers. They certainly didn't. This idea that they stormed the building. It's hard to storm a building when the when the uh, cops are waving you in and and, and uh, the doors are open. But as I, they seemed to, they didn't even, they didn't tear down a single painting. There was no graffiti. They didn't topple a statue. They stayed within the purple ropes. They were so well behaved. So these are, these are some strange, strange insurgents. They had no weapons. They, they, I mean, it is laughable if you think about it, but it's, uh, when you, when you, when you look at the fact that every television network 
uh, Fox yep. originally, and I think that was Mr. Tucker Carlson, uh, originally didn't, uh, they, he kind of provided uh, a little bit of an opposition to it at first, but that's like Constance and, and Pravda. That's the exact same thing that happened in the Soviet Union. This is state-run TV. You must watch this, comrades. And just to watch, there's, I don't know if you've seen what little I saw, but there's no opposition. There's nobody there remotely representing the interest of the people. And as I said, whatever right, they've, they've already had their constitutional rights trampled on, all due process denied for every year. How, how could they possibly ever get a fair trial after they've had the show hearings declaring them guilty in front of the entire world? Oh, absolutely. It is like you say, it's very serious. And the people who are now there, there have been suicides who, of the people who are sitting around in prison yes. with no due process. One of the things that's interesting to me about this is how it exposes. One of your other guests had talked about rule by men instead of law. Mm-hmm. And that the rule of law is completely out the window. And that's obvious to me and the many people who I met that day. There is no rule of law these right now. And I guess that happens when empires fall, that becomes a normal thing. Um, but the American people seem very much yeah. in denial of that. There are sitting, there are people sitting around with no due process, you know, the, the American people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I heard one of your other people mentioning about, um, the second amendment and the right to bear arms and all that. And the, the issue is, well, if you don't have free speech, what do you shoot at the sky? Uh, (laughs) what do you do to stop that and the people in the crowd that day know these things and are thoughtful about those things they know that they're paying in tax without any representation and without any voice so part of why i like to tell this story is the american people have no voice and it, it was very disappointing even tucker even tucker carlson did not acknowledge the videos were out that day and the next day of the antifa kind of people of the cops waving people in the videos were out right away even tucker did not acknowledge them for many months. We all knew, all of us knew. So this shows how the job of the media is to hide the news. It is to obscure the news. <laughs> yeah, well, especially it, it's, it's especially hard when you, you see it in person and you see it misrepresented like that and knowing that, I mean, Tucker Carlson is the best we have on television. That's it. He's mm-hmm. the only one really. And and to, uh, to whatever degree he does. And but, uh I just, I, I just amazed that it, this, this has been, you know, we were all familiar with false flags and uh, yep. American 9 11 or something like that. And uh, having written about so many of these, I understand, but they, this is just so, it's so far removed from the reality. This, this was, I'm not saying it's a nothing burger, but uh, the fact that the, the only a handful of people or two windows broken, maybe a door was broken. And uh, as I understand, they had photographs and video of the people that did it. And mm-hmm. I don't believe, I don't believe they've gone out and, and, and rounded those people up because it puts a lot of us like, hey, they were undercover agents. That's why, yep. that's why yep. it looks like Ray, Ray Epps isn't arrested either. But, and then you have people like you read about, you have somebody like Joe Biggs, who is being really demonized? And you had that, and I, you know, I'll say it right here. I'll, I'm not going to say anything beyond this, but that female police officer they had testifying, claiming there was rivers of blood or whatever she's saying, an unbelievable oh my God. fantasy. <laughs> but I, I, I will just say this: that she, it, it's, it's very strange that someone who looked like her became a police officer. All I'm going to say, you know, she there, there are other callings she could have gone to. Very attractive woman. I must say, for a for a DC police officer, just just put it at that. But she went out of her way 
to talk about Joe Biggs, and they wanted a third. So I, I think maybe he's being offered up or something. I feel bad for the guy. He did some good work back when Alex Jones was doing their stuff, and he's one of the people maybe a lot of people in the alternative don't know. He's out there, and I don't know what they're planning to do, but did you notice that she concentrated on him in her testimony? Ha! Huh. Well, there's definitely issues with policing, and I, I, my mind always goes back. There was a previous case, and maybe someone in the chat would correct me, but I think her name might have been Miriam Carey, this woman who was shot uh, by the DC cops. This was pre. This was not January sixth. This was previous. But the the idea was this woman was just she. She had a child in the car, and I think she was shot in the back or something. And and the DC Congress people applauded this case, like. Oh, thank God the mm -hmm. police protected us. And just this idea of the people in those Capitol buildings being the most incredibly weak and cowardly people. All I could think when I saw their reaction to January 6th, where I'm standing outside in pink, <laughs> with pink nails, all I could think was, I would like to see these people airdropped the way that they airdrop our troops overseas mm -hmm. into hostile territory. You, These yeah. people can't even handle me and I can't even open a jar. So what, who are these people who are allocating billions for war? You know, and I know some of your people have, have very fair questions about war and who's being sent to war and why. Yeah, right. these people, if they can't handle me in a pink sweater, for God's yeah. sake, they'd have no right to be sending any soldier into battle. Well, That's I, I, sure. I question, exactly, great point. I have questioned everything about that. But there's another question on the screen from Chris Gross to me. What did you think of Trump's hair color changing? In the go home, we love you video played later on. She saw him in person earlier. Did you notice that? I mean, he, he uh, I, I forget one of them he had it dyed his, you know, unnatural blonde, orangish look, and then the other one it was uh, gray or white. Uh, did you notice I, that? I didn't notice it that day, but I have noticed that it seemed like there was a change from gold to silver. Yeah, uh, yeah but pretty, I didn't notice nice. it that day. And I did see, I saw his speech that day. And it's kind of funny how I got in there because really this entire day was, it It worked out very randomly because the event was huge and I had no idea where I was supposed to be or where I was supposed to go. Strangers helped me all day long. So the only reason I got into the VIP speech area was I was talking to uh, a, a retired Marine and there were, there were these little tiny ropes that were surrounding the VIP area. And I was talking to him about taxes. And then he said, would you like to come into this area? And I said, yes, I would. And he lowered the little skinny rope and said, it would be my honor. <laughs> and I stepped <laughs> over the little rope and I got into the Trump VIP speech area. This is how, uh, this is the tone of the crowd that was there. Yeah, freely speaking, I believe that's my friend, Australian Ben from the land down under. Glad to see, mm. hear from you, mate. Uh, ben is a great guy, and he's a he's fair to say Obama's presidency is successful, and it's a promise of fundamentally transforming. Well, I think it certainly was, but I, I think Trump was the uh, one that lit the fuse. And I, I, I'm interested in what what you think of. I mean, I, if I had been there that day, and for the record, I have a you know, I have an alibi. I was in a, a, a getting a root canal <laughs> done that day. And, <laughs> So uh, you can't tie me to this no matter what. I'm nonviolent, maybe. Uh, but uh, you, uh, what do you think? You know, having been there, because I mean, Trump, Trump really did throw people under the bus. He said, "I'll leave, I'll, I'll march with you to the Capitol," and he didn't. He ran back to the White House, threw threw everybody under the bus immediately with a different hair color. And he's what's really, I think, despicable. Despicable at this point is he's holding these rallies. He never mentions the people that have been in prison for over a year because of him. 
denied due process. He never mentions them. And he hasn't, he's raised like at least 200 and some million dollars at these stupid rallies. And uh, he hasn't funneled anything, as I understand it, a bunch of them are unable to afford attorneys. He can buy them top of the line attorneys for that. What, what, what are your, have your views on Trump changed since then? Well, certainly. And I never worshipped him as a god. Uh, I never had that mindset. And the way I look at it, we did elect him twice and it didn't do anything because the Rona right. is still what it is. Um, so we did, as far as I'm concerned, we did elect him twice. So how, right. why are we even bothering to pretend that the elections are fair? Um, my thoughts on Trump is, is I witnessed this cast of characters. So the whole media and let's say the blue checks on Twitter, it seems like a whole cast of characters that are designed to uh, manage us and skew our perceptions of uh, everything. And Trump is a mystery to me. So for example, and I, and I totally agree with your, your doubts on him. I agree with you about many, many things. It's like, kind of like we're long lost cousins, but I won't put my <laughs> thought crimes onto you. I won't project those, but I've got uh, enough, please. <laughs> got enough <of> my own. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. When I saw him say things like um, the Al Smith dinner, I, you probably remember that speech. That was yes. very surprising, the stuff he said out loud. And then yeah. uh, there was a moment where he said about the Paris Climate Treaty, where he he looked genuinely surprised and confused. And he, he said, why would anybody sign up for that? That is like a $400 <laughs> trillion dollar deal that was designed to bankrupt us, right. you know? And he, he looked genuinely confused who would sign for that and why. But then I definitely agree with you that people were thrown under the bus and the absolutely most vulnerable people in America. Uh, I would I would like to mention a few people that I met that day. Can I? Sure. Sure. Of course. Uh, as an example of the people in the crowd. Uh, and this guy was was on the steps of the Capitol. This guy was old enough to have he had white hair um, and I think maybe in about his 60s. And he he looked at me and he said, last year I paid more taxes. Now this is in the middle of the Rona. The Rona was escalating, right? And people mm -hmm. had already been suffering. They were already suffering. Basically in their perception, they were there begging to be left alone. Please government, stop mm -hmm. using us, leave us alone. That's all they right. really want is to be left alone. So this guy, he said, last year I paid more in tax than my father ever made. And I was <laughs> proud of that. But now I've lost everything and I owe the same amount of tax. And he choked up. Uh, yeah, That's absolutely. one guy I met. Another woman that I met on the way there, everybody was extremely friendly, like strangely mm. friendly. But that's yeah. our people. They're very friendly, yeah. kind people. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, the another one I met was a mother of nine. One of her children was a priest and she was holding a rosary while we talked. So mm -hmm. if this is the domestic terrorists that the Congress have to hide from, yeah, that says to me many things. <laughs> and, and how many? How many? Also, we, we know. I mean, how many were uh, were videoed and photographed carrying American flags? That's pretty pretty hard. If you're trying to overthrow a government to be carrying the flag that represents <laughs> that government, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, but this the idea of calling this an insurrection, and you're a firsthand witness. Obviously, no better testimony than that. And you're you're saying there was no sense of really anything like that on the ground. I mean, there, there was was there disappointment? Like again, if I had been there, I think my disappointment would have been where's Trump when he said he would leave you. Did anybody say, "Hey, where's Trump? Is the president coming?" When the rumors said he was, you know, what? I assume that's why most of you went to the Capitol. Trump kind of riled you up today. Let's go down to the Capitol, and I'll I'll, I'll be there with you. 
Is well, there, the walk was, to the Capitol was planned. As far as I recall, it was planned. It was not a like an act of rage of like, ooh, our our meeting at the monument didn't didn't right uh, right you know kill yeah. enough people, so <laughs> now we have to go to the. I mean, as far as I know, it was a planned event. You know, they planned at this time Trump is going to talk at the uh, monument, and then people are going to walk to the Capitol. Uh, people definitely sensed that day they were waiting for the reaction from Trump from Pence, which yes, I didn't yes. have any. I didn't have any hope that Pence was going to do anything positive, no. but people in the crowd, they wanted to hear that. And I think a lot of that day was just people witnessing. Part of why I went is I thought, you know what, show up or forever hold your peace. We knew <laughs> that the election was ridiculous. Biden right. couldn't get 15 people into a parking lot, even with Lady Gaga <laughs> right next to him. So yeah. we knew. And part of this was the American people saying, we see what you're doing. We're not, you, you assume the ruling class assumes that we're so dumb and that they can smell us at Walmart. And the world looks at Americans who've been farmed to be, you know, ignorant and barely read and barely add. The world sees that. And the American people said, I'm not quite that stupid government. <laughs> and the American people showed up to stand on those Capitol steps and to say, I see you. And actually, you know, as far as an attack, nobody was there to attack, but I will say they were there to say that I see you. And there was a chant among the crowd, which was pretty awesome to hear. They, they so these, this million people or however many it was, they said, we, the people, we, the people, we, the Absolutely. people. <laughs> now to me, that was actually haunting because it sounded like ghosts of a time far away. You know, the original intentions of what the United States was supposed to be, that chant was haunting. And if I was one of those crooks inside the building, I guess I would feel a little bit insecure about well, that. Well, you, me you mentioned Mike Pence, so I want to bring it that. What we've heard is uh, we've heard from the other side over and over again that there were people chanting, hang him or whatever. And there were maybe, as it, what, what did I, I claim? I think they have video of it. I don't know. But that's that's what they did. You see any evidence of that? I think that's very cringe and very embarrassing. And it's even more embarrassing that some of our own people would have believed something like that. Now, you might be able to find video of like five people saying right. something like that. But to right. me, that's not even the tone of my people. That's not even the tone. And and the tone deafness of the government shows very much in the stuff, the words that they try to plant coming from us, from our hearts and our souls, it doesn't match. Um, they're very tone deaf. And actually, I sent you that flyer. There was a very Stalinist art looking flyer that went out shortly yeah. after January 6th, mm -hmm. which I, I consider that more government entrapment. And I think most of our people did. Mm -hmm. And that also showed. So this flyer was trying to get people to show up at the state capitals and and take them over and all this. And, and my own people were looking at this. We're like, this artwork doesn't even speak to us. This is this is designed for the caricature of the American people, the idiots that they think we are. Yeah, you so know, there's was, always a disconnect. That was, that was very and you, you the Billy Ray Valentine is being skeptical of getting another question for you on screen. Do you see that? Was there a massive yep. voter fraud in 2016? Well the way I look at the elections, I assume that they have been corrupted for a long time. And I look at it yeah. as when did we have a legitimate election? Um, right. That would be my question. But I think with Biden, it's pretty obvious 
And the, I think there's a lot of evidence of reasonable questions to ask. I think, you know, I heard one of those analysts talk about how one indicator is you can ask the homeless people who would the homeless people guess was president, <laughs> people who don't know anything and they're completely drug addicted. Even they knew uh, Biden didn't win that election. I mean, it's kind of. Yeah, well, well, and, and that, but see this, I think this is the problem. This is the problem I have with Trump is that, and I, I've written about, you know, in history, I talked about uh, Boat Cam, which the Collier Brothers exposed many years ago. And there you go back much farther than that. Landslide Lyndon Johnson. You want to know when the dead started voting? The anecdotal <laughs> story, story that, uh, that Lyndon Johnson's people told is he, when he was trying to win the Senate race, which he won after like four recounts. And uh, eventually Hugo Black, who went on to become a Supreme Court justice and was a former uh, official in the KKK, he just declared, hey, you're the winner, Lyndon. <laughs> and that's how that's how Lyndon got became the nickname Landside Lyndon. But during the the race, he and his he and his men described uh, some of his men said, "Yeah, we walked through the uh, the cemeteries of Dallas, putting uh, just writing names down." <laughs> and, and and Johnson told him they got as much right to vote as anybody else. That was his line. <laughs> and since then, the dead have been voting in droves. So it's no different. But it's <laughs> it's just the fact that nobody and Trump would never recognize that. So Trump would tell you uh, 2016 was the you know most the greatest election ever, and of course the Democrats said 2020 was the most secure election ever. Trump <laughs> makes it about himself, and that's where again where he loses a lot of people because it's all about I, I won the landslide, and I I think Trump probably did win. There was lots of fraud, but there was there's never going to be another landslide between these Republicans and Democrats again in this country because. There are legitimately million, so many millions of people that hate Trump, and they voted for Biden because he might as well have been an inanimate object because he wasn't Trump. <laughs> and uh, so I think people realize that is that he probably did win, but um, you know, stop. So he needs to stop, but he needs to do a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. Let's see. Do we have any other questions here? I'm sorry. People are uh, okay. When we had a legitimate election, yeah, I don't, I don't know when we've had a legitimate election, you know, but. Uh, you know, probably you could look at something like uh, Nixon over McGovern in 72, because that was that was so such a wide margin. Reagan over Mondale in 84. They were such landslides. I don't know. Could they have, there might have been fraud, but I don't know how much they needed to do that. And I think Obama probably because the candidates against him were so bad, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. McCain and Romney. I, I, yeah, I don't think there was a little shenanigans but they really didn't need to do much there but uh, at any rate yeah. so we're, we're, we're up on is, do you want to stay the second hour can you stay the whole two hours i'd love to stay as long as you'll have me great okay well i see tony there tony can we open up the phone lines then maybe you'll be able to uh, we can take some callers and can we do that tony yeah i can open up the phone lines don stand by I see him there see if he's gonna we'll, we'll open up the 1776 phone lines the last four numbers are 1776 so that's cool um let's see here there tony's coming on can, so can we open up the lines tony yeah i'll take care of it don wonderful okay I have so a thought what, too, on the on the canadian trucker convoy and the parallel sure. between that and january 6 too when you have time yeah sure go, go for ahead. it yeah, so I witnessed this trucker convoy in in Canada, and it was it was pretty amazing for the Americans who didn't really pay attention to that. These Canadians, they were subjected to the vax mandates and blocked from work, and they the restrictions on them. They haven't been able to fly 
province to province without uh, without negative testing and proof of vaccine. And uh, Canada has been subjected to a lot. So the truckers finally got mad and organized this convoy. And my mom sat in the dark watching the live streams of this convoy for three days. I said, mom, you got to go outside. But, but she, she saw this. Uh, this is one of the first times that we've really heard the voice of Canada wanting to be free and saying, you know what, we've had enough. And so she watched all these live streams. And, and then I got to know some of these people, and they're just wonderful. And I hear the same themes of people, number one, wanting to be left alone. Also, for a lot of Canadians, it was a surprise to them, their convoy was extremely positive. Um, and they made a point to do that so that no one could frame them for violence. Um, and so I think they didn't realize that our stuff was actually positive, too. Because what they saw in the news made us look like Yosemite Sam, like Americans just storm capitals and like want to shoot everybody. And so it's been this whole love story for the, for us to understand each other better and for them to realize actually uh, we were happy. We were happy, too, in our in our crowds uh, with each other. So the the trucker convoy that uh, had quite an impact in Canada. And now I feel like. Canada has really opened up to me. It's the very first time that I've gotten past the wall of the media to hear them speak. And they're very yeah. interesting people. Well, it was very, very promising. And I, I you know, I, I, of course, we saw what happened to the ridiculous uh, convoy here in America. It was so laughable. But uh, the phone lines, the number calls 888-770-1776. Your questions or comments for me or for our guest, Kelly, who is uh, apparently on the spot everywhere, you're you're also over there. <laughs> what what other events have you uh, were you weren't you weren't in New York City on 9/11, were you? No, no, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's great. You were able to, and actually, Tony, do you have any questions for the guest? Or you were listening? I know. Well, I think you you really uh, got into her viewpoint of Trump, which is what I was interested in as a former Trump supporter. And then after what he did, after his abandonment of his own supporters and, you know, raising a quarter of a billion dollars to stop the steal as we reverse engineer what just happened to us over the last two years and especially the the post-election months. And I think you really I hit the nail on the head with uh, this is to create a scenario where dissent is illegal. Mm -hmm. You dissent yeah, against yeah. the ruling establishment. But the problem that I have is that even still, um, I consider myself of the old conservative right. We're still told by so many commentators in the controlled opposition conservative media that we have to follow Trump. And like he's still mm -hmm. the answer. And it's clearly he's abandoned his people. It's just, I mean, it's 100% evident. He may have had a good intentions. I don't know. I don't believe that now. Uh, I used to think he, well, he had good intentions, but I don't believe that anymore. Not after this. I mean, we're, we're so far away from it. So you have January 6th is, is so many ops rolled into one, mm -hmm. it's not just a, a false flag to, to, to persecute the right or dissent. Uh, it's more than that. It's, it, it's a, it, it's it's a mastermind kind of play off of everything that happened to get people to really funnel them back into more controlled opposition. That's, that's mm -hmm. the, I think that's the pitfall with all of this. And I, I really enjoyed your your talk with Don. It's a interesting perspective. And I had friends that were there and and you know members of the of the Proud Boys and P. I was on the air on January sixth, um, talking mm -hmm. about it live as it as it for the for the hour that I was on on WWCR. So I, I'll never forget that. I mean, we didn't know. 
we heard there was, you know, gunfire in the Capitol and then someone was was killed. And we, you know, I, I was covering that and we find out that, you know, that was uh, a Trump supporter who was murdered mm-hmm. in cold blood. Um, you know, something that I had, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran of, of Afghanistan and Iraq and Kosovo as a paratrooper. If I'd have shot a civilian like that, mm. I'd be walking around. You think, do you think if I shot an unarmed person in one of those wars that they would have allowed me to, you know, to uh, keep my freedom? Uh, absolutely not. We got a call, Don. I'm going to put him on the air. Hey, can I can I say to you that's exactly why I wanted to tell this story because you, by nature of being number one, a man, just by by default, being a man, and being a veteran, uh, they want to frame our best people, and I resent that. I refuse to stand by and let that happen. So you, just by nature, you're a person, a competent person with skills. Um, so when you show up, it's one thing. When I show up and I can't even open pickle jars, it's a different thing. Um, they can't, they look stupid to, to try to shoot a person like me. They look really stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, I just wondering, uh, does the, uh, the guests have any insight into any of the, um, or any thoughts on the deaths that, uh, occurred either on the day or afterwards, like, uh, for instance, there seems to be a lot of uh, police officers that ended up committed committing suicide. Uh, was she, she was she able to see anything that maybe these officers may have been uh, a party to that they had to be silenced for later on? And that was pretty much it. Thank, Good thanks, show. Chris. Appreciate you. Go ahead. I think. Well, I had heard about those suicides. I think there were some suspicious deaths after after this event, as in people who should not have died. So how did they die and why is a question. I think there were people that day, let's say in the inside, whoever those people were, the Capitol police or whoever were those guards, I think some of them may have been friendly to the crowd and they may not have even fully realized. But I do think from being in the crowd that some of those officers might have known we are not a threat. And I think some of them may have had qualms. You know, maybe they said after the fact, this is ridiculous what you're doing. Who knows why that people, why, why those people are not with us anymore. That's very mysterious. Um, as for the deaths that happened that day, when I was approaching the Capitol, I, I think it was right after Ashley Babbitt had been shot, which kind of makes sense because uh, the, the first people going into a certain area or whatever. But I in the tone of the crowd, I just thought that is so crazy. That's so stupid. Like this is obviously not a war, you know, you being a veteran, that's a whole different tone. Me as an American citizen, knowing we have the right to protest in a crowd. If they start shooting people, that's completely insane. So that was my perception of the deaths. And I did hear possibly about some people falling off the roofs while we were in the crowd, uh, but I didn't have a chance to follow up on those names or those cases. Howdy, do we have any, uh, what's going on over in the Rockton chat room? Anything, anything exciting happening there? Any questions there? You've, you've always got activity over in the Rockfin chat. Um, uh, just, Which I got still the, can't figure out how to access. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got a, I've I'm got an a idiot, basically. <laughs> 
Um, we got Tom Cooper over in the chat. Of course, Chris Graves is over there as well, and Key Martin. Um, yeah, you, you've got you've it's got activity over there. Yeah, Le Lisa uh, is over in the chat. So yeah, you've um, you've got a lot of Lisa says hi. By the way, uh, on the hi, Rock Lisa. And, and, I, and I apologize to the Rock. It's, 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 at some point, I'm going to be. And once I've increased my bandwidth here. Hopefully it gets strong enough to be able to get me to be able to look at the Rockfin chat room while I'm looking at this and not uh, slow things down even more. But uh, so that's why I'm, I'm not ignoring you guys. And I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate all your participation. But um, OK, we're having people in the chat room are definitely bad mouth and boomers. <laughs> uh, sorry, Donald Trump, I see that. OK, and see the hostility there. OK, so, uh, I, see that. I, I understand. I see that. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot there. I, well, I can't uh, defend them. You know, I, I came in on the tail end of the baby boomers, but um, they're uh, certainly they haven't. Uh, you know, my children are millennials, and they uh, we've left them a, a really crappy world. At this point, it's hard to be optimistic. And hmm. I, I don't know anything about you, Helly, other than you have a lovely voice. But I don't, I don't know how old you are or anything. But how wh how are, what are you feeling about uh, the future of this country? Oh, I think in a way it's very bleak. And that's why I, my conversations are mostly about bypassing the system totally. So I think Tony uh, had mentioned about um, this, this psychological drive to, to have us wait for Trump, keep waiting for Trump. And actually I witnessed this on social media and I'm very disturbed by it. I think it fits in with Q. And I think to my perception, Q is a very deliberate uh, psychological manipulation of people, right, uh, but to right. keep them on a hamster wheel, basically. I'm very disturbed that on places like Twitter, I see a basically a dystopian hellscape representation of my own nation. And there's no talk about freedom and free speech. Um, but there's a lot about, we just have to get Trump in. We just have to do this. We have to get Trump as the speaker of the whatever. To me, this is all wasted yeah. effort. Uh, yeah. And I see very troubled times ahead. You look at the World Economic Forum and I see their plans for us for the next decade. Uh, I don't think elections are the way out. As they say, can you vote your way out of this? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Caller, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, it's Lisa and I have a question. Go ahead. Okay. So, oh, actually, maybe it's just a comment. But we'll, how about if we do both? Hey, John, does she not make a great podcaster or what? And you can get <laughs> into that one too, Tony, by the way. I'm just saying, does she yes. not have a or what? She's fantastic. She's, got a, she, she's fantastic. you got a great oh, voice, I tell you. Boy. Yeah. I just, when I, when I saw Helly's recording, okay, on Twitter, and the recordings that she made, giving her account of exactly what she saw. I mean, her own personal human, I mean, this is a, such a, a human interest story, something that we never, ever get to hear in, in the noise that goes on in Twitter and, and, and other media. So I, I want to thank Kelly, especially, for coming on and uh, providing this, uh, your perspective and exactly what you uh, observed, witnessed, and experienced. So, thank you for being a true patriot. Thank you, Lisa. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. Sorry, sorry you can't hear me when you call in callers, but that, that's Lisa. And of course, we love her. She's been on the show and she's the one who recommended you. And it was a uh, brilliant recommendation, it turns out. Can I comment on that, Don? Of course. I want to say thank you to Lisa. And of course, I'm huge fans of you guys. I'm huge fans. And I've been listening to all of your thought crimes. And I absolutely love it because common sense <laughs> and two and two is four is now a crime. This is criminal. But yes. uh, yeah, part of what motivates me to speak at all, because I think the silent majority would not speak if we could leave the world in better hands. The problem is that we are now run by the absolute worst. Um, yes. The silent majority doesn't want to have to show up and talk we'd be glad to sit back and be quiet. I'd love to be in a hammock uh, by the ocean with a beer and a sandwich. <laughs> that That's not where we're at. But the, the forgotten men and women do not have a voice. So this is why some of us feel we have to say something. The forgotten people. And every day, my God, the people I see walking down the street, the clerks at the grocery store, a guy told my sister, he pulled his own tooth out to save $2,000. This is where people are at. The American people, while our government drains our souls, yeah. our energy, and our money. And, and, then, and this is why Donald, this was the attraction of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders during 2016, because mm -hmm. there was so much in that. And that's, I'm a populist, so everything I'm talking about is populism. Huey Long's my hero. Huey Long was around the day, he, boy, he'd have a lot of supporters. But what you're saying there, that's populism, that the common person has to pull their own tooth. And I mean, it's, and that's, that's reality that the, there's so many, and so many people I know that, um, that have contacted me that like my work and everything here in, uh, desperate straits, yes. not good situations. And there's, I, I talk about the other side, the other half of America, and the, the left used to talk about that other half of America. That, that is a, it's a, a lot of people. It's many, many millions of people that are leading uh, lives, as Henry Thoreau said a long time ago, leading lives of quiet desperation. And that a applies to so, Yeah, it's, 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 so it's, uh, it's great to hear your perspective. So what, I don't want, you can't, I don't want to give anything away about yourself, but uh, without giving away your identity, what what do you do? You're, you're interested in Can you tell us anything, uh, generally speaking, about what kind of yeah. field you're in? Or, yeah, yeah. I can tell you that the cancel culture, because I have, I have blue check friends who always ask me, why do you want to be a nobody? But I do that so I can be honest. And um, the cancel culture... It loves to cancel people, people's accomplishment and their past, right? For people like me, it cancels our future. And actually, when I heard you talk about that, about the how uh, many of your audience are struggling financially, part of that is because now to be welcome in corporations, you have to sign the oath and they get complete domination of your brain. So if I sign up for to work my way up the corporate ladder, I lose all of my free speech, basically. I have no right to, to express any kind of opinion that is that is outside of the talking points from that moment forward. I'm not willing to surrender my sovereignty. I'm not willing to take the knee for that kind of reward, where then at the end of my life, I get a pen I, I kowtowed my whole life, but I get a pen. <laughs> I'm not willing yeah. to make that exchange. Um, and so I have the luxury. I work for a small business and I, I make a point to be a nobody because that is how I have bought my ability, my freedom to be honest. That's how I keep my sovereignty. And the government definitely punishes self-sufficiency. Um, they love the employee class. They love uh, people who are just barely alive enough to go to work. And Big Pharma sure does too. And this mm -hmm. whole this whole Rona 
uh, issue. It, it brings that to light, how they want people so medicated that they can barely get out of bed and get on the yes. conveyor belt for another awful day, pass out with sleeping pills and do it all over again the next day. Uh, you, you mentioned a thing about Sanders, and actually that's a very interesting topic for me because I see... I assume that we have 80 million, basically Trump supporters, 80 million mega people on the right. And we have all the Sanders people. I see a great union between those groups, but we are blocked yeah. from each other. Yes. So that's yeah. a topic for, that's very rich for and, whatever you want to do with it. Blocked by the well, two party system. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I, I've, I've told the story before uh, that uh, you know, Cynthia McKinney is, is uh, someone I'm proud to be friend, whatever, better than mm -hmm. like, my friends I have met. But she's and she's my favorite politician. But uh, when Trump was running and he hadn't made his horrible choice of Mike Pence as vice president yet, he uh, I just asked her. Uh, I said, you know, hey, because she seemed like she kind of liked Trump. And I said, uh, mm. what, what would you? Uh, you know, you'd pick a great vice presidential candidate. That would be a ticket. It couldn't be defeated because they could no longer call him racist or misogynist. She's a strong black woman. You know, you couldn't call uh, Cynthia McKinney and Uncle Tom. Aunt Tom. Mm. And uh, she liked the idea. She loved it. She said, oh, I'd, I'd love that. So I had a contact. I won't mess. People try to figure out who it is. Uh, Trump and I, 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 I ran that by him and he just shot that down. Oh, no, over my dead body. And they just, <laughs> you know, that's, that's why that, that kind of coalition will never happen because mm. whether it's not allowed to happen or it's the same kind of thing we talk about black and white or uh, men and women or, you know, Christians and other religions, whatever, anything that they have is divided over. You've seen the memes about we're all being distracted. We have a common enemy and they don't want it. They hate the idea of people joining hands and going Definitely. after that common enemy. And that's, that, yeah, that's, that's actually, a, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That's a thread that I see very actively every day that people are being blocked from uniting. So they want the right arm cut off from the left. Another another thread that might be of interest to you or your audience is art and how right now the American people have no art. The artists are all basically uh, connected with the military industrial complex. Suddenly, you know, there used to be such a thing as folk art and the the voice of the people in art, that's completely gone now. And there's a, there's a woman who she's, she's talking on Twitter about how she was raised around a gay community, but that what's happening right now has a completely different feel. And she calls it socialist realism, the art that's happening right now, which is interesting She because it's basically this, this art of oppression and revolution in a way. It's no longer the art of free expression, which makes so much sense. And actually that flyer yeah. that I sent you that the government tried to use to entice our people had a very Stalin-like yeah. feel. <laughs> And it just yeah, shows it how did. much yeah. they don't they don't know us. Absolutely. And and uh, you know, as far as art, uh, one of the things that's come out in recent years that we do know, one of the many things the CIA had their fingers in, you know, they've they funded and financed you know, it's like Jackson Pollock and all these horrible mm. modern art things that people used to make fun of. The CIA was behind all that. You know, Jackson Pollock very famously you know, one of his paintings is again. They're just—it's like it's a little kid would do. There's no, there's no, anybody can do it. And my—I I don't think my idea of art is, is not something that anybody can do. And uh, he supposedly there was a, a roach or something that that went across the canvas or something. And he famously killed it and left it on the painting, and everybody thought, "Oh, 
even more artistic now. And but that's the CIA. The CIA paid for that. So that's that's where your art went. There's there's no art now. You're right. There's a but our, my friend Peter T. Koch, who I hope is listening. Uh, he's a great artist. He did the cover of my book on Bar of Fame, and he's a really good comic book artist as well. And uh, so there are people out there like him who have great talent, but you know, uh, I, I don't think they're uh, you know, necessarily giving uh, exhibitions or whatever. You need one of those uh, financiers or the people. What do they call them? Um, Somebody sponsors the art. They need, you know, they need a rich sponsor to sponsor. Benefactor. Don't see that anymore. Yes. They <laughs> need a benefactor. So somebody benefit them, please. Yeah, it's it's funny that it's ironic that there's this whole expert class that these days you're not supposed to question the experts, and yet you are supposed to embrace the dead cockroach on a canvas as being worth many, many millions. It's just uh, I, I listen to your show, and like I say, I'm a big fan of you guys, and the world being upside down is the image that just stays in my mind. It's just upside down. And the, the taxpayers are now the criminals, very deliberately, consciously uh, yeah. done that way. Uh, well, what, what they've done with this narrative that you read and you saw firsthand is when they can can make uh, heroes villains and villains heroes. And I, again, I just, this was, and especially coming on the top of it, and in our neck of the woods here, we had Jack Del Rio, the, the team formerly known as the Redskins out here, uh, the defensive coordinator just made a very innocuous comment about uh, he just kind of juxtaposed what happened in 2020 with the uh, Black Lives Matter rally and the city's really actual burning of buildings and lots more death and destruction, lots of looting, and the police stood down. Nobody was really prosecuted then, and mm. uh, and he juxtaposed that against what's and he called the dust stuff at the Capitol. Well, he's it's amazing he wasn't fired. He was fined a hundred thousand dollars by the head coach Ron Rivera who virtues. Even in something like sports, you can't give your opinion as if it's an opinion like that. And they, they said, you know, political uh, sports figures can't give opinions. Well, tell that to LeBron James on Twitter or uh, <laughs> or head you head coaches in the NBA, Steve Kern, uh, Greg Popovich, who are constantly spouting off woke, but it's it's woke stuff that fits in with the uh, the crazy authoritarian uh, society we've constructed here. I don't know if you knew anything about that or not, but it's just, it just shows that when you try to draw the comparisons, the obvious comparisons, hey, look, well, what about the Black Lives Matter? Oh, that's different. Well, yeah, it is different. They, they caused a lot more damage, right? I mean, and they're not <laughs> sitting in prison for over a year, right? <laughs> oh, yes. And they have those legal funds. So when the left demonstrates, they have yeah. these devoted legal funds and infinite resources. And meanwhile, the people on the right have no resources. They they go into the red yeah. just to show up at all. And uh, yeah, actually, to go back, to there, you made a point that I, I wanted to mention. So how they block us from having these conversations and they block the left and the right from talking. So that's why in a lot of my conversations uh, these days, I make a point of I think the way that we will get through this is to cross the aisle in a way and reach for the other side. So as a woman, I make an attempt to uh, show support and respect for the men. And the men make that um, attempt to, to treat me well and to show that respect and care for me. Likewise, across races and religions, I think there's something about this that requires us to have that empathy for each other to survive mm -hmm. these coming times. You know, what they've done, and they, they amputated uh, math from art. And the right from the left, they amputated your your mind from your heart and men from women. So I very actively try to reunite those. And I'm interested in, in the art, too, because 
That's a very strange vacuum in, in history for, for vast numbers of people to have no art is a very strange moment of silence in history, I think. No, literature too. I mean, I, I think the, as, as, as a writer, I mean, I'm primarily a novelist. I've only had one novel published, but that's what I consider myself. I just turned it on fiction because it seems to be easier to get published. But uh, they're, they're no great. The last great, I think the last great novelist was Kurt Vonnegut. There's hmm. nobody out there today that, and uh, you know, but then people don't read. That's the problem. I believe me. That's I know. True. They don't. <laughs> but, uh, and it's it's uh, that's the problem is trying to get people. And so I think it's the same kind of people. They wouldn't buy art either. For fewer people would buy art. And uh, culturally, we just we were just. Uh, it, I don't know if it's decadence. I don't know what Sodom and Gomorrah was like, but. Uh, I don't, I don't, they couldn't have been a whole lot different, but just, and again, I have no idea how old you are. You sound young, so I don't, you might not have been around long enough to have seen, I call what we're really in America 2.0, and uh, America 1.0 is probably pre-9-11, I would say, mm. to varying degrees. So I, I don't know how much the experience you had in America 1.0, how, how much has America changed uh, culturally oh, and uh, in terms of, yeah, yeah, it, it, I've noticed a difference, Very. right? Very, very sad. The Even the sensation of going and coming from the country, because I traveled internationally before. Um, this was after 9-11, but it was still, it was a while ago. But the sensation of traveling and re-entry, it was like before there used to be a sense that you're a citizen and that being an American citizen was a good thing. And now they just openly, openly treat us worse than hogs. I really like animals, so I don't know what word to use, but something that's less than dirt, you know, a, a rat infestation is how the American people are treated now. And when now, when you travel as a kid, I used to want to see the whole world. As a kid, I wanted to run a big corporation. That was my, that was my thinking. I was like, wow, that looks amazing. Yeah. Then, uh, and I wanted to see the world. Now I've accepted my future is different because with the the rona and the mandates and the control and if they change over to the the electric um, the electronic currency the digital currency the world is transforming right underneath our feet yes. and the choices are not the same the choices of oh what do i want to see this country or that country i feel for my father because i can imagine that when i was born he had no he he planned on the world getting better and more yes. free well, you know ross ross Perot. Ross Perot mm -hmm. said in 1992 when he was running for president, and I voted for him twice. And, uh, you know, another billionaire that uh, I say he necessarily fooled us, but he didn't get a chance to. And I think he had a, a good heart. But he, um, he said famously in one of the debates, you know, if, if things didn't change, that uh, the generation coming up, and that's the generation of my children, my children were just being, uh, one had been born and one was about to be born. Um, he said that. Uh, if things had changed, there were, we were going to be raising the first generation of Americans who had a lower standard of living than their parents. And mm, he's exactly definitely. right. My, my, my children definitely have a lower standard of living than me. And uh, God knows what their children will have. And, and, and that's, that's horrible. We all should be mortified by that because we all want our children to do better. So I understand how your father would feel because, yeah, we had high hopes for our children. And we want them to do, uh, you know, we want them to have a great life. We want them to be able to afford stuff. We want them to be able to have lots of kids. And I, I, it seems like that dream has been taken away, hasn't it? Yeah, certainly. I heard a long time ago, I don't know if this is true or if this was uh, global warming propaganda, that, that birds have their 
kids when it's the right temperature. And I think that's the case for a lot of people right now. People are aware that there's a concern about the future. If they're not aware, I think they should be. Because at this moment, if you have a baby and that baby can be taken from you right after delivery, that baby can be taken from you. Some people didn't get their kid back for like 10 days uh, basically submitted to the government for all of its handling. Can you imagine the brain development of a newborn within the first 10 days of life? And it's in the hands of the post office and the DMV. <laughs> this, wow, is, this is yeah. brave new world, right? Yeah, handle with care. William Hale, uh, hello there. And another mate from Australia. So we have at least two people listening in Australia. So hail to... To Australian Ben and William Hale, thanks so much for listening. I, I get so thrilled when I hear people that, uh, and, and we get it all the time that are listening in the UK or uh, Australia, and it's it's great. Uh, it's, of course, I love the American listeners too, but it's it's really cool to know that uh, people are hearing us from far away. And we're having. Yeah. I'm looking for more questions. We I'm have a lot curious. of lots of but... I'm curious about how Austri- Australia is doing because. We certainly saw them go through a lot with the lockdowns. And an interesting thing in their story that I'd like to hear more about is the black markets that apparently popped up within weeks. Yeah, well, I know I know from uh, especially talking to Ben, I talked to Ben a lot and uh, he's he said it's been, you know, I, I think this, and that's why I think the situation where I've called, I've said for a while back that we were in World War III. We're already in World mm-hmm. War III and it's, and it's a worldwide war. It's the governments of all the world against uh, war with their own people. And it's everywhere. And, it, you know, it started under the, the guise of COVID, of the, the ridiculous COVID narrative, and they, they used that. But uh, basically, you know, when, when we had the entire world was basically shut down in like two weeks, and they didn't need a single troop, they didn't need a single cop, not a single shot was fired, as the saying goes. When that happened, the world was transformed because uh, it showed me, you know, we say, well, we can go to Costa Rica, we can go there, you know. America's getting, of course, America is horrible, but I don't know there's anybody, any, any place better. I'm talking to Ben and people like that. Uh, certainly Australia isn't. So I don't know if there is anywhere to run to with this. Yeah, I think not. I think not. And the the fact that America has, what, hundreds of millions of weapons, I don't know what the number is, but it doesn't stop the people around us who are suffering from what's happening right now. Um so I don't think the yes, it's good that we have self-defense and I'm glad that we haven't given that up, but it doesn't directly solve the problems that we have. No, it, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know again what, uh, cause apparently that, that, that defense system was, it didn't work on 9-11 when uh, we had hijackers flying around for an hour and a half and somehow they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't even get a, picture of it you know really no one hit that pentagon you know because they all those cameras around they somehow failed to be working at that time well they trained on monkey bars that's how they were so successful <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so well you're it's well i can't you know you're you you should do i mean uh saying i guess she saw you do some kind of presentation or something but you you sound like do you do you speak for a living because you sound really smooth Ah, well, I don't, but I, I care about my country. I care about my people and I care about the future for whatever that's worth. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I, I, I think I represent probably a lot of people who would rather sit back and be quiet. And I do say to people, I only show up because all the better people didn't. The people who said they were going to take care of this, you know, the people that we paid 
uh, the people we paid right. to, let's say, run the VA and take care of our soldiers and take care of our veterans and only send them to war when absolutely necessary. We paid them to do that. And boy, did that fail. Well, look, look what happened, uh, you know, after after all this, this dust up in the Capitol, as the Jack Delario would say, after this happened and uh, the Republicans who could uh, have, if they were real opposition at that, that party at that time, they should, first of all, they should have been concerned about the uh, electoral fraud. Most of them weren't, but they didn't put up a fight at all. They they right. basically rolled over when the, when the twenty five thousand troops were sent to Washington D C. And we and we had the nerve to make fun of Venezuela and countries like that. We not only had an election that rivaled any they've had, but then we had troops marching the city streets of D C. Nobody nobody cared because they were so terrified of the insurgents, and and, and we threw them in prison for I, other than a handful of Republicans, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Louis Gohmert. I, I think they were the ones that went tried to go see them in prison. They wouldn't let him in. Prison officials said, nope, I don't care if you're a congressman, lowly prison guard. No, get away. You're out of here. No no media covered it, nothing. And as far as I know, nobody else has checked on him. So we hear reports that they're being beaten. They're in solitary confinement. If so, that's absolutely incredible because the charges, whatever charges they are, should amount to misdemeanors if they amount to anything. But I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. You, you have no contact with anybody in prison. Nobody who's in jail right now, although I think – I think many of us probably know people who who went I know of a woman who went to jail for questioning the IRS and I can't I can I can't quote what happened with her story but it's quite shocking but I think this history like like your writing points out has been going on a long time and you remember the um the tea party targeting uh by the IRS and that was a great that was a great thing for me to witness because what that showed me is how much the media will hide the news. So the fact that the IRS was openly targeting American citizens based on uh, political dissent, I yeah. thought, oh my God, this that's not acceptable. Like that's outside of every every standard and every principle that we're we're based on, right? And then the way the news yeah. hid that. And when I try to mention that to people now, that story, uh, if you search it, it looks like a blip. It was a blip. So here we had like 18 to 20 different agencies colluding to target Americans and destroy them. And it's a blip. Yep. Oh, and, and it got, got it, fired. Yeah. And if, you, if you hear the average, well, at least back in the, the yeah, long time ago, as, as a youngster, I remember all the, um, you know, the, the revelations about Nixon and his enemies list, which was a joke, you know, and, and, and whether you have Obama had a kill list. And the same media didn't care. Same thing with the IRS. Uh, it goes back to uh, uh, FDR. Roosevelt was the first one who sick the IRS under the, the tax authorities on the, the enemies. First and foremost, Huey Long before his administration fascinated him, I'm here to say. Uh, you know, before they did that, yeah, nobody cares about that. But Ford Nixon is still talking about, oh, he sick the people on his, uh, the IRS. On his, and, and since then, you've had Bill Clinton. The Clinton administration did. Obama. They all do. They all Although, again, I didn't, I didn't hear that about Trump. That's why I said the thing I hear about Trump, he really had less scandal. That's mainly because all he did is tweet. He really didn't have time to do anything else than all the other <laughs> administrations, I think, combined. I mean, that's, that's what I say. But um, 
I was going to have a question for you. I forgot what it was. We got off well, like you, you mentioned about the Obama kill list, and that was actually one of the things uh, that people like me supported Trump for stopping the wars. It's the only time in my lifetime that the wars have been stopped. And I'm pretty sure that under Obama, there was a time that there was a list of like 100 countries that the U.S. was at uh, war with, and we weren't allowed to see the list. <laughs> we weren't allowed to see the list here here my tax money is being paid to kill people i don't know and i'm not allowed to see the list yeah. of food. and so the fact that trump stopped those wars democrats do not understand that people like me who lean i i'm on the right because i do support free speech and so ironically here i am <laughs> yeah. but um they don't understand that we wanted to stop the endless wars and that trump did that and boy that by itself seemed to make the media the corporate media very enraged well just to be clear trump was elected to stop the wars he didn't he didn't exactly start any new ones of course you can look at venezuela in that kind yeah. of regime change way but he bombed yemen he kept everything in stasis there was no withdrawals from anywhere he told them to get out of syria multiple times this is the strange thing about trump his generals yeah. defied him and then told him they were defying him and then he would come back and say do it it's very bizarre uh, i agree with you that as far as the stance that like obama was taking you know he took us into libya into syria mm -hmm. uh there was covert actions all around in the horn of africa all this stuff we we, mm -hmm. we know all that but Trump didn't exactly ramp it up, but he didn't end it either. Mm -hmm. So and it, I always right. point out uh, Yemen, but he did get elected to stop the wars. I agree with you on that. Yeah, the American people wanted that. We dream of stopping that uh, endless ocean of violence. Yes, because it's, it's, it's criminal. It's, it, it causes what the CIA terms blowback. <laughs> blowback i bet you have a lot of thoughts on how they use that term uh, yeah. blowback yeah well well i mean the trump would uh, would just go he would vacillate so much between he would he would make these great comments that were and he, he said so many things that i said right on to be uh, his rhetoric was sometimes great but then uh, the next day he would do something completely different he would say you know why uh you know uh, I don't want to kill civilians in Iran. I don't want to do this and that. And then uh, he'd go in North Korea, especially. God, he'd hold out the olive branch and hit him with a stick. I mean, he would just go back and forth you know, <laughs> multiple times every day. He didn't know where he was coming from. And uh, so it just, I just sit there and say, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I suppose some of what he's saying, but then eventually, like Tony said, he would eventually capitulate to the general he was always at, you know, loggerheads with, but he was always appointing to positions too. You know, why, why did you why did you put somebody named Mad Dog in your administration? I mean, come on, just uh, just so, so many things about it. So I'm wondering when when you were there that day, did you? Uh, oh, and I, I know what I was going to ask you. Uh, I ask all my guests that are people, all of us. You know, my my family is my son is the only other person in the family that's awake, and thank goodness I know he's listening too because nobody else in my family listens to my shows, but he does. Hmm. So I, I thank you, John, for doing that. But um, so our country, our, our our family is you know divided on the on these issues to say the least, vaccines and all that. What's it like for you? And again, what's your is your your I don't know how outspoken you've been before now, but um, as far as your views and going to Washington on January sixth and all that, how has that has it won you many friends and uh, warm thoughts within your own family? 
Well, it's interesting. My father actually believes MSM. My mother sees through it. Um, and my, my dad actually wanted in the worst way to go get all those shots. He wanted in the worst way to do and it, it caused some stress in my household because I, I was, I was already seeing side effects by the time it came up because I, I talk to people everywhere I go. That's part of how I learn a lot. I learn from people no matter what they're doing, where they are. And I have friends working inside the hospitals and they're telling me what they're seeing. And by the way, I have, I did hear the story a little bit of your brother and there aren't words for that. There aren't words for that. Um, I, I witness what is happening around us. Um, I see a lot of people unwilling to look it in the face and even a friend of mine who's a pharmacist and he'll talk to his coworkers. The coworkers don't even look at the inserts on the box in the pharmacy. The coworkers are taking these shots. The coworkers are developing tumors and having babies with fatal, um, fatal genetic issues. Um, they're having a lot of babies needing uh, organ transplants. And the next question is, where are those baby organs coming from? There are so many things happening that people are not able or willing to look in the face. And so I see that. And it has dramatically changed, all, I would say, I guess, all of my relationships. Because it's there's a whole series of decision points along the line of what side you're on. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um but I kind of think that you're better off with the people who agree with you, at least to have peace. So I try to avoid civil war. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I sense I sense that our the right leaning people tend to be very kind of polite and modest. They're very humble. Those can be some of the smartest engineers, but they'll never they don't brag about it. So you really don't know. So the way I perceive that is holiday meals have transformed from the silent majority <laughs> sitting there and being and tolerating abuse to now saying, you know what? I've had enough. I yeah. don't need to win you over anymore. I don't need to persuade you. You don't need to sit here and lecture me. You know what? Get out. <laughs> At least that's that's somewhat where, where I've gone. I don't have um, a lot of these uh, these people in my life who, who want to be, uh, I guess, with the woke talking points. There's a certain amount of self-righteous judgment that you have to carry for other human beings to even say another human being is beyond redemption. And that's part of this, that in that cult, people are beyond redemption. Your thought crimes are so bad. It's, yes. it's, a, it's an amazing thing to witness. Well, I like the way you use thought crime all the time, because I've said <laughs> all the time, we need, we need to call it what it is. And I, you know, I talked about I was one of the first people, and you know, I've been ranting and raving about this for forever. You know, and I'm still saying the same stuff. It's just uh, there's a lot more people that are uh, you know, agreeing with me this than they used to be. Uh, when they first invented this term hate speech, I said at the time, I said, you know, this is what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? What hate's a human emotion? Who defines what hate is? What that's in the eye of the beholder. You can't have a something where and it's an asterisk on free speech. And then they recently they they, they call it misinformation or disinformation again. In the eye of the beholder, how do you determine? And you have the right to be misinformed. Hmm. You you have the right to be misinformed, just like you have the right to be racist, whatever that is. You can't define it, but you have the right to be prejudiced against groups of people. That's not against the law. You may not like it. You may not want to hang around with somebody like that, and it's 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 bigoted. It's not necessarily using all your intellect, but you have the right. It's like you have the right to be wrong. You know, if you just if you say, uh, you know, I, I think this, okay, you can have a, you can have an opinion that we can prove is wrong. You're right. You can't jail somebody for that. But 
Don't call it hate speech. Don't call it misinformation or disinformation. Call it what it is, thought crime. That's what it is. <laughs> you don't like our thoughts. It's thought crime. And that's, so I like the way you're using that because that's because that's what we're all in trouble for. I mean, and even it's, it's, it's your thoughts, medical misinformation or you know, disputing un, unproven claims about the election or whatever. It's all thought crime. Yeah, and it's very interesting to me witnessing, watching this all unfold, because I'm an observer from the edge of the crowd in, in many ways, and I watch that people don't seem to value the principle of free speech. They don't, they, it doesn't mean no. anything to them that the, the principle that you can allow one, one, uh, one extreme and the other extreme and the reason why you would let them both speak. And that's that, as I watch that, I'm thinking, well, that just shows how successful the education system has been in basically farming hogs for, uh, who are easily managed by the government. Because you have citizens now who do not understand why the concept of free speech even matters. They don't even, they're not even thinking on that level. And I heard a guy say on the radio that the, the fact that they pretend you can't teach a human being to read in 14 years, because, you know, people come out of high school and they still can't read. And they sat there for 14 years. He was talking about how criminal that is. Because it really yeah. should only take a couple of months. And I think that's yeah. very fair criticism. And they're they're deliberately churning out people who don't even understand the significance of free speech in the United States of America. That is stunning. But they even are able to do that. Well, they, they would they would, they have to do that because they are at this point. It's obvious that uh, <laughs> most most Americans, all our leaders, and most Americans are hostile free speech. I can't tell you how many arguments I've gotten on Twitter or Facebook anywhere where. I defend free speech, which I always do. Hashtag free speech, and uh, they they'll say, "Well, you know, free speech. You have freedom of speech, but free speech has consequences." And I always I always respond and say, "What what are the consequences? And who determines what the consequences will be?" And, and they they never have any answer for that. And then of course they go into hate speech, and then I quote them. And and those who read my book, Crimes and Cover Ups in American Politics, seventeen seventy six to nineteen sixty three, know about this. But I think I'm, I'm the, about the only one that's written about, the, you know, when you hear that thing, well, you have free speech, but you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, that comes from a, a Supreme Court ruling by the great liberal Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a eugenicist and a warmonger, like all the other great liberals of uh, most eras. But he uh, he wrote, he made up that term. He said, and he, and, and he was made up the term, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. He was he was uh, supporting Woodrow Wilson's right to throw World War One protesters, people who were opposed to World War One, into prison. Hmm. So as I point out many times, no matter how you look at it, Eugene Debs and all the other boys that were thrown into prison protesting World War One were not yelling fire in a crowded theater. And you, you, you tell that to Americans, they used to give you a black look. So you understand that they first legally restricted your right to free speech by that idiotic expression that had nothing to do so protesting the war is yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's what the message that was sent. And as far as I know, very few people at the time, maybe H.L. Mangan, maybe Huey Long, people, but, but, but nobody protests. So that's where we are right now. So yelling fire in a crowded theater is protesting the war. So that's why they would say maybe that people like us, uh, we're protesting what's happening with denying the January 6th defendants due process. That's yelling fire in a crowded theater. It's just as much as it is to oppose a, a world war. Well, it's very funny to me the the use of propaganda, and when we talk about the the what can classified as a thought crime these days, it thing it's things like men can't have babies. 
Now, I hope to God you don't have repercussions from me <laughs> saying that, but that's the level that it's at. It is very much two and two is four is is enough. And even as a hetero female, for me to say that I'm okay with men or that I like men, that's enough to get me death threats on social media. <laughs> and actually, you know, you, you, wow. you, your audience, I'm not sure how much they, they witness this, but the, there's a lot of women actually having their lives destroyed by the trans community right now, because uh, if yeah. they dare to question it and I hear the men say, where are the women? The women have to speak. Well, women like me are not allowed on YouTube <laughs> or yeah. if we are allowed on YouTube, we certainly can't monetize it. Uh, we, yeah. we would be quickly purged. So we, we do exist. The supporters of free speech do exist, but we're certainly silenced in favor of those who don't. Those, the cancel culture is promoted at every level for sure and designed to take uh, you know, all good people out. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Tony, you were saying something? I was just saying I agree 100%. I was just thinking about the solutions to that too. I mean, we've we tried you know, the federal level. We tried voting in the two-party system. I think maybe it's the the protest at the local level by setting up sanctuary cities and counties for free speech, Second Amendment, the Constitution, yes. Bill of Rights, sanctuary. Sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had those free speech zones, right? Someplace when they want to block us, they they put the free speech yeah. zone. There's like a six foot radius where you can you can speak your mind. <laughs> but that's what ha that's what ha has happened, and that's why what I write, I try to stress these things historically, but. People, they didn't protest when all these things happened. Nobody protested in 1918 or whatever it was when uh, the Supreme Court told you you don't, you you actually don't have full free speech because you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And this applies to people who are protesting war. Very few people protested. That's where that comes from. People think it was enshrined. And in in, no, the founders didn't say anything about you know uh, there to be Congress told to enact no law prohibiting free speech except yelling fire in a crowded theater. They didn't say that. there was nothing in there. But people, you know, really ignorantly believe that. And nobody protested that. Nobody protested in free speech zones after 9-11. Nobody protested that. What do you mean? If there are a few people, Alex Jones, a few people like that. And before that, nobody protested when they uh, completely eviscerated the Fourth Amendment, when they mm -hmm. uh, started started these uh, these uh, uh, ops of uh, these um, unche checking uh, drivers for drunk driving when you have roadblocks. I remember being uh, saying, you know, is nobody, nobody with me on this? And, you know, <laughs> sat there, crickets, you know, and uh, I said, you know, aren't you, well, you want to catch those drunk drivers, don't you? You know, same thing with the <laughs> no-knock SWAT raids, you know, they, uh, well, you have nothing to hide. Well, that's what the Fourth Amendment is for. Doesn't mean you have something to hide. I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I heard, uh, I heard you mention that and nobody ever talks about those no-knock raids and how those were up dramatically. Before yeah. all of this, uh, the BLM protests and everything. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who suffered at the hands of yeah. uh, well, very questionable <laughs> policy there, but nobody ever, we're not allowed. That's another thought crime. You're not allowed to mention that right. or, yeah. Oh, uh, I wanted to say too, because I am such a big fan of you guys and you are very well positioned to move this conversation forward. Um, like Tony was saying, what, what are what are the places to go next? January 6th was uh, that moment transformed what Americans uh, perceive about their own country, their ability to protest and dissent. It changed also a lot of people's feelings about elections. And so what you have in your, in your stockpile and your mind is so much of 
what brought us to this point and where we can go next. Where can these conversations go next? I see in social media a very big vacuum of hamster wheels. And it's the same yeah. old stuff. It's the same old Q talking points. Oh, the plan is happening. Yeah. So, you know, they're in the background. Yeah. They're going to solve this. And I see the American people lost and alone. I see good people wanting to do something, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to turn. That's where the silent majority is just lost at sea right now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why populism is such a winning formula. And the fact that nobody, if you go back and listen to Huey Long's speeches, they apply today. And uh, nobody tried that. Nobody has tried to mimic what Huey Long did. This is a guy who had 12 million people join Share the Wealth chapters all across the country back then. Uh, you'd think that even if they weren't sincere, that somebody say, you know, I'm going I'm to try that Huey Long thing. It'll work because obviously most people are struggling financially. That would be a winning formula. Nobody, populism is the answer. When you talk about anything, when you talk about average people not being able to afford medical care, not being able to live paycheck to paycheck, it's a winning formula because the people that are out there, the majority of the people are in that situation. So of course, but nobody tries it. Instead, they get lost. You talk about the Q stuff and all that. It gets lost on egos. It gets, and the people never come together. Like what I'm talking about, most of what I talk about, people on the right are more receptive to me, but most of them still worship the police as well. So they worship policing for profit. They they would be a fan of the no knock raids. Oh, well, you know, we got to do that. And that's the problem is that they can't. And the left is a lot of what I wrote about in my book, Survival of the Richest. The left, uh, a lot of the left didn't like it because I talked about immigration. And the left is for immigration no matter what, even though it's been the single leading cause of uh, working class wages plummeting and benefits of it. They won't talk about that. So that's the problem is the left and the right won't come together. And that's why I thought up the dream ticket of Donald Trump and sent him to Kennedy, which was, which was <laughs> shot down. When you were telling that story, I said, well, I'm not going to give it away. But the guy's, I think his name was Roger. And uh, I've got a signature on this stone. <laughs> I've got his autograph on this stone. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, my, my name is intertwined with him. He wrote the forward to uh, Hidden History. So uh, for, for good or bad. His name is on there. But I mean, um, you know, that's, that's, and you, you sound like a populist to me. And I, and I, I think it's interesting that, uh, so even within your own family, though, you're telling me with your experience with your parents, it's, it's a lot of marriages like that now. Mom's on one oh, side, dad's yeah. on the other side. Yeah. Yes, I see people, divorces are happening, especially when there's a fight over whether to give the kids the shots. And I can see yes. why. I can see why it's a loaded issue. So if you, if before you could have been friends with a hundred people, a hundred random people in a room, now it's more like two. And it, it really yeah. changes the dynamics. When, when I go to the post office, especially if people are wearing masks, you don't know who's going to be triggered. Who's a friendly. It's, it's an amazing thing. And actually uh, my mom was watching something about Tibet and in Tibet, you know, they have the whole history with the communist party of China and they have the same issue that when they meet people, they say, you know, they have to ask, what is your position? What is your position on the communist party? Because that's, that's the only way, you know, who you can have a conversation with. Yeah, can we, yeah. can we sit here and have dinner or are you going to scream at me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or are yeah. you going to hit me in the face with a brick? You know, that happens too. You say the wrong words and uh, you could get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And I, obviously you should never have to worry about that, but we're, 
we're in such contentious times and I, you know, my, I've talked about my family when my brother died. I mean, pretty much everybody, except, you know, I, I know the hospital killed him. He was, he had no symptoms at all. He was perfectly healthy and they killed him in two weeks and they quarantined him and quarantined him and I couldn't see him the entire time, no visitors, so they can do whatever they want. But for my family and most of America, he got diagnosed with COVID, even though he had no symptoms. So he died of COVID. And he died because he wasn't vaccinated. And it's my fault because I, you know, I convinced him not to be vaccinated. That's basically the undercurrent. And but I see it in my family, I have a large family. We we've already missed a, we missed a wedding last year because myself and my kids weren't gonna get vaccinated. And uh, it's tragic, you know, family get togethers. But, uh, there's I don't know if they will now, but I mean I, there are people in my family that I, they're never gonna let go that's not getting vaccinated. I mean, how how long does it I'm not gonna get vaccinated? So it's just Gonna, this is going to be a re- so I in your so you you said you see the kind of one parent on the side one side and the, how about your, your family extended family or do you have uh, people that are divided there as well? Yeah, I know some right leaning people who ran right out and got the shots, and I'm not sure. You know, a lot of Trump supporters. The reason that they supported Trump was because he talked about what mattered to them, not so much that they worshipped him. So. Uh, it's not that people followed in lockstep whatever Trump says to do, but on the other hand, I think some of them probably felt, well, Trump wouldn't push this so hard if it was possible yeah. that it would be that it would be negative. So I definitely have relatives that that ran right out and got it, and I was surprised. I was surprised that these people who generally have, they have some skepticism, a healthy skepticism of the government, you know, the DMV and the post office, you see how these things work and you should wonder like, well, anything the government has its hands in probably isn't going to go that great. Uh, And yet they ran out and got it. I do see uh, a lot of, I feel the foundations coming apart right underneath our feet, the old relationships, the old alliances, the old institutions and structures. And I say this for your audience who might be feeling a lot of people are in pain or they're cracking. And I see this on social media that things are coming apart right underneath us. So, but I see the new alliances forming too. It's like parallel worlds, parallel structures are going to pop up just like those black markets in Australia. And for the people who are hurting in their hearts and their souls, there is there is more coming to life. There are new alliances forming. And those of us who have fought this hard to be on, to be someplace together where there is free speech and where you have a right to live the way you want to live, we are pretty diehard about that, I think. So I do see that some of us have a capacity to go forward and build no matter what they do to us, no matter what they do to us. And that, that applies to the currency, the economic collapse, the food shortages they want to do, all the talking points of the WEF, no matter what these people want to do to us, there are some of us that have the capacity to have loyalty, to love each other, to trust each other, and to build. And it building and even being alive at this point, I consider a rebellious act. And I just am an average American citizen if I have that point of view, there's probably others like me. Waking up in the morning at this point is a rebellious act. <laughs> that, that, that's a great way to put it. And you're, you're, very, you're very eloquent. You have a good way with words. So I hope one day we'll be able to identify you. We'll have to have you back on. Maybe at some point you'll... I mean, it is, but it's really it's really pathetic, isn't it, that anybody in America, supposedly the freest country on earth, would have to be fearful of having their ideas just because of what they're saying. I mean, that, it that's is really very it. pathetic. It is. It shows, and that's the 
that's the joke of it. That's the tragic joke of all this that yes, a girl in pink who knows music and art and poetry uh, <laughs> has to hide in her home from her own government. And I want to say too, for your audience, you know, this, this stuff about toxic males, whatever, no man has ever abused me like my own government. No man has ever abused me the way my own government abuses me, slaps me around, takes my money, and kills people with it. <laughs> that, should the, that should be the new feminist cry. No man has ever abused me like my government. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And you see this psychological manipulation, even in how they got women to fight. The women who work and the women who have kids, they have put everybody at each other's throats. So yes. I hope in the conversations you have going forward, uh, we see a lot of this... Uh, just letting go of these old structures because you guys are capable of that conversation. A lot of people can't have that conversation. They don't know how, but you have that in your minds. And I, I'm very, I'm delighted when I hear you because you guys are at the front of this conversation and the pain of letting go of the past, uh, we have to build in some joy for the future. I sense Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, that's it. We're just about out of time. Anything else you want to sum up? Obviously, usually at this point, I tell people to promote themselves and tell the people where to find you, but you don't want to be found, so we can't do that. So I, I really appreciate you coming, Helly, and whatever your real name is. Thanks so much for being here. You were wonderful. Any, any closing thoughts? I just enjoy you guys so much. I hope uh, the American people can get some strength from your voice, hearing you speak, hearing me meet up with you today. Um, I have a lot of confidence in the American people. They, they're they wonderful. And there's nothing they should be ashamed of from that day. They, they, they were wonderful that day and every day. I love our people. That's a, that's a great way to close it. Thanks so much for being on the show. You were great. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to iProtest. Thank you so much. Thank you.